are listening to CFCR 90.5 FM, and it's time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio with Tony and Kathy and Jody and Dave. We will hear from Craig and Hank a little later in the show. Uh, Tony, I think he's talking about HasLab today, and uh, Dave and I are going to talk about some pimping business. We're going to talk about Iceberg Slim and his autobiography and also a really awesome movie that we just watched. Uh, but first, Tony, lead us off with uh, your big news. What's going on in toys? Okay, toy-wise, this is the big one. So Hasbro actually funded, or the, the, the world funded the Hasbro crowdfunding platform, the uh, Razor Crest. Crest. <laughs> Thank you. So the Mandalorian <laughs> Razor Crest. Uh, and what they do is, this is the, like the fourth time they've done a uh, crowdfunding project. Uh, and this one was actually just funded and the original numbers that they were trying to hit was 6,000, but they actually hit 23,000 people. Woo! Um, right, that's 20, I'm sorry, 28,780 people. So the idea of the, crowd, the crowdfunding for Hasbro has always been kind of like, we're going to bring you stuff that you're not going to get in the store. So we're going to bring you like larger ships uh, or just toys in general that you're not going to get in the store. And we're going to produce a very small amount of them and you're going to pay up front and so forth. So, so that's kind of the idea. So they've done a few before that. They did the, the first Star Wars one was Jabba's Sail Barge. Uh, and they actually only made 5,000 of that. And that was a really easy one to get. No one was really bidding on it. And it went to the wire as to if it was actually going to be made or not. Uh, so that one happened. And then they've done, since then, they've done... Uh, the X-Men Legend Sentinel, which was 22,000. Uh, they just, they're actually, they're, there's a thing right now, it's the, the Hero Quest game. They have made $3,767. So there's 3 million uh, people that are pledging to make this game, which is incredible. Uh, so basically what's happened now is the whole, uh, the whole crowd uh, funding platform is actually a really good thing and a really bad thing. Uh, one thing that I do like about it is the fact that I get to have these awesome ships uh, and they say they normally wouldn't make these kind of things because they don't fit on store shelves. Um, so that's kind of neat that you're able to get it. But at the same time, it's not really that uh, limited if 28,000 people are getting it. So it's kind of one of those things where I like the idea of, of getting my ships, but at the same time, I don't know why these things aren't being made to just go on the shelf. Yeah, uh, well, there's probably shipping, like you said, shipping costs and getting them on the store shelf costs. And but the thing like about that. the crowdfunding is when you buy something, you pay up front. So like I've paid for this thing. It's going to be about $600 Canadian uh, once it's shipped, which is not a horrible amount to me because I'm rich. So it's not a big deal, but I pay, so you're paying a year in advance. It's not going to be until, I think it's supposed to be fall of 2021. So in fall of 2021, I'm going to get my ship. So if 28,000 people all paid $350 American for them to build this, to make the ship, uh, and they've already had plans. They, they come out obviously with plans. They come out with an, an actual painted model. So this is going to happen no matter what. It's not going to like just go away if people don't fund it. I think that's kind of the idea. So they take all this money in and then they're sitting on everyone's money for a year. Yeah. And then they build these things and then they ship them out, which is again, 
genius, genius, <laughs> genius as a as a marketing thing for Hasbro. It really is, and that's like, kind of why they, I wonder they lose if, they lose nothing, absolutely they, nothing. They get all their money up front. They lose nothing and lose and, nothing. And then they say, you know, the idea is they say like, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're not gonna be able to make these ships without it. Now, about a month ago, they actually released the Millennium Falcon Legacy Edition Millennium Falcon. This thing's about as big as a table. It's two feet by two feet, it's giant. So it's bigger than the actual Razor Crest that they're, that they're making now. It was released, it was released to stores, it made it to Toys R Us, it went to the Disney stores, uh, and it was everywhere that, you know, like, well, I wouldn't say everywhere. In Canada, it was Toys R Us, and I think down in the States it was like Target or something like that. But it went to the stores. Now, it is more expensive than the Razor Crest. Uh, I think the, the retail of this ship was $400. So they can make ships and put them in the stores. Obviously, yeah. they, they are doing it now, but the reality is they're, they're doing it in such a way that you know, we're, we're seeing them you know, take more money in, and it is like a no-risk scenario. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so we get our ship. We're gonna get the Razor Crest, which is pretty sweet, but I'm not exactly super you know, pumped about the fact that, that you have to get, you know, that you're paying up front. So basically, yeah, I've paid my money, and. You know, I have other people that were going to buy it and they're like, well, I don't really want to pay up front. Like, I don't really have $650 right now to buy this. For and Hasbro to make interest off your money. To make, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. So yeah. there, it is a great thing. But anyway, let's talk about the Razor Crest. So it actually comes out, it actually came out with some pretty neat backer things. So if you, you know, the first 10,000 people, they added a, an extra thing and the second, you know, the 12,000, 13 and so forth. So it was kind of neat in the sense that they, they added some stuff. There was an escape pod. Um, but this is, this is some other stuff that kind of bothers me. So the extra stuff that they're giving you, so they're giving you a baby Yoda three and three quarter carded figure. But the problem is it's the exact same carded figure that you're going to get in the store, except they're going to be back medalizing the crib. So it's the same thing with a small little extra. They're also going to be giving you the, uh, the off-world Jawa, uh, that's going to be also coming out to the stores, but they're going to give you an egg. So it's not really not really doing much in these exclusives. They're not really they're giving you Oh come on. Not really no. collectors, if if there's a tiny little thing different, it makes a huge difference to collectors. It that's it's gonna make a huge difference to have it, a metal on one. It does, I agree. But I'm just saying for Hasbro to take all this money in, it's not exactly like they're giving you all this extra stuff. It's just, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a really nice way to, uh, for Hasbro to make money, which is really great. Uh, I've got one. I know there's people out there that are going to get them and they're really excited for them. Uh, and I'm really, really, really happy that I'm getting mine, even though it was $650 and I'm not going to see it for a year. What can happen in a year? I might not be alive in a year. Like, you don't know. Like, what could happen? I might like, get it. You Woo! might get it. <laughs> Kathy, no. gets the, <laughs> Kathy gets the razor crest. <laughs> Tony doesn't get it. <laughs> what was the Sesame Street one that they made? Oh, they there made was the Sesame yeah, Street one. Everything's pretty much made it. The Sesame Street, they had a giant, uh, this was an odd one too. So the crowdfunding, they did a giant uh, cookie monster. Uh, oh, right. A big, I guess it was like almost like a life-sized, you know, as big as your you type thing. Uh, cookie monster that's just a big plush thing or like a big furry thing or whatever 
Hmm. And uh, but no one wanted that. That one was not nobody. The, nobody Go wanted. Figure. Nobody <laughs> wanted a three hundred dollar yeah. giant cookie monster. It was. It was like a three hundred dollar giant cookie monster. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. but for the you know, there's other ones. Obviously, there's other there's other places that are doing this kind of fundraising thing as well. So, uh, but in the end, that's a big thing. Uh, there's a lot of stuff coming out um, for pre-orders right now. Uh, and I think next week we're going to be talking about the uh, the Mando Mondays, which is pretty big if you're watching your Mandalorian TV show. There's going to be a ton of stuff that you can uh, that you can order as pre-orders and find at your store. So we'll talk about that next week. I'm not sure why you're so bitter about like putting the money up front, because like <laughs> I mean it's it's not like the the interest rates are so great right now that you're going to like clean up on like the the, the like 1% that you might make on your $600 if you left it in the bank which i know you and you would not leave it in you would spend it so but what if some other big company tried to do that like what if mcdonald's said like we're bringing the mcrib back if 10 million people pay for it ahead of time 10 pay million people would pay for it ahead of time. I, I know they would, but that doesn't mean. Okay, I get what that's you're not, talking That's not how fast food works. No, and that's really slow food. We have to wait till next year. But like, okay, for example, I've done a few Kickstarters and things and GoFundMes. And most of the time they are for like little comics or artists. And, and you want to support that person because you want to keep them in business. You want to make sure that they're able to keep creating, right? Like that makes sense. Hasbro, yeah, they are a bigger company. But at the same time, they make some really cool stuff. And I think that it's really neat and it's important to keep them in business. And if the demand is there and then they can like minimize their risk, that just makes sense, I think. Cause then they can do some really far out stuff that otherwise they would never, it would never get through the board of directors or whatever. They can mitigate risk. They can make cool, interesting stuff and offer it to the public. Well, so it's a credit to how dedicated their customers are too, right? That they would even dare to ask this. True. Tells you that there's a lot of people who, who treasure these things. All I know is I get a thousand dollars a month to buy toys. <laughs> and a thousand dollars I get, six fifty is a pretty big amount of a thousand dollars. So <laughs> it left me it left me kind of broke for the month actually for toy buying. It didn't, you know. Toy broke. Toy broke. I was toy broke. <laughs> well, and and also like you can do layaway, Tony. You have like, it's a year before you're gonna see this. So you don't have to like eat that whole bullet in one month. You could be like, okay, I'll put away, you know, a hundred dollars this month, a hundred next month, blah, 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 until like, you know, you're close to getting it. Yeah, it's not costing you $650. It's costing you $50 for the next 13 months. But I already gave them my money. <laughs> and, and even at the end of that 13 months, you're still going to be able to enjoy looking at that amazing figure. That is true. Yeah. If you look at it that way, it's, yeah, 50 bucks a month is not, yeah. That's like lunch, right? It's like going it's out a for a cup of coffee every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a cup much. of coffee every day. A pack of smokes, whatever, you know, just <laughs> however you want. Or if you don't like the like McRib comparison, right? What if like uh, some band, right? Like Def Leppard or the Rolling Stones or something like that said, okay, we'll make a new album if this many people buy it first. Well, bands do do that. Oh. 
<laughs> but not big bands, not not like smaller bands. Like that's that's kind of the thing for me. Crowdfunding has always been something like you know you're you're starting out, you don't have a lot of money to do this, but you really want to, and everyone says yes, I believe in your project, I will give you the money. But for a huge company that you know brings in millions, billions of dollars probably a year, I don't really know if that's the best idea for you know. It's a good idea for them, but it looks kind of I don't know. To me, anyway, it looks kind of. It is. It it is a little questionable business ethics wise. Yes, yeah. but the the end result is a win win. Yeah. Yeah. People vote with their dollar, right? Like, yeah. People vote. Yeah. If I hope that they don't hear this and they cancel my order. That would, <laughs> yeah. that would really yeah. suck. <laughs> we heard yeah. you on the. <laughs> radio. Radio. Much TV. radio. So you're out. Yeah. I really think we have the Hasbro executives ear. <laughs> yeah. They listen to CFCR. Sure they do. <laughs> they should if they don't. Anyway. Okay, well, let's turn things over to uh Craig and Hank and see where they're at for pop culture news this week. And uh when we come back, then Dave and I are gonna talk about trick baby. Hey everybody, Punch Radio here. This is Craig Sullivant and I'm here with my good buddy Hank Cruz and we've got a few fun things for you today. Uh, I want to quickly jump in on the uh, bandwagon that is Queen's Gambit. I know Hank uh, talked about it a few weeks ago and I went and checked it out so I have a few thoughts on that. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the Mallrats Aero Blu-ray release and then Hank's going to talk about the Xbox versus the PS5. He's, uh, he's done a comparison, so we'll see what happens with that. So uh, there was some news stories today that Netflix says Queen's Gambit is the most watched limited series yet. Uh, been watched by over 62 million accounts. Uh, and so I won't go through the show again because Hank already talked about it, but uh, I just thought I'd give you my thoughts on it. And I will say I'm, uh, I think you recommended it, right? You were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, so I'm I'm right with you there. I uh, I thought it was awesome. I will say, part of it that made it awesome also kind of like hurt it a little bit, but I I'm fine with that. So it's only seven episodes, which I think is awesome because even at 13 episodes now, sometimes there's too much filler in some of these shows, and even even though they're top-notch storytelling, you go, ah, they could have done that story in 10 episodes instead. So Queen's Gambit does it in seven, uh, which makes it like blast along with a wonderful pace i would say like sometimes a little bit of it's too on the nose uh because they had to move so quickly like if they had been able to slow down a little bit that might have been okay too but i'm not going to complain because i'd rather it be uh faster and tighter like there's no fat on this thing uh i think uh the the costumes are just amazing i don't i think you mentioned that last time but but they are uh like it's worth watching just for the costumes uh and and I, it's not like i have a specific fetish for like costume design or anything uh and they're saying like it's the show that's made people buy chess boards i would say uh we also did that in our family i, I actually had one i didn't have to buy it but uh, i taught my wife and my son how to play and we've been like uh trash talking each other and playing for the last like week or so so overall a uh, pretty darn good show and definitely worth checking out uh, i agree yeah so uh, I also picked up the Arrow Blu-ray release of Mallrats, the Kevin Smith film from 1995. Now, uh, I was not sure if I should buy it when I saw it, but it was just such a nice boutique edition that I did anyway. It's a movie that I watched a lot of times in my 20s uh, and just was like not sure it was going to hold up. I think uh, like that whole View Askew universe, the whole Kevin Smith thing at the time, it was sort of fresh after Clerks, which reinvigorated the whole film industry, you know, along with 
other Miramax films. Uh, so it was a very important film, Clerks. Mallrats came along and uh, it tanked at the box office, but it sort of found this second life on uh, DVD. But I was like, is this thing even going to hold up anymore? Like, I don't remember it being that great. So we rewatched it and uh, it, it was kind of what I thought. I mean, it's very broad uh, in like in the comedy sense. So like the same stoners that were hanging around outside the quick stop in Clerks uh, that were kind of like cool stoners, you know what I mean, are now like flying around the mall like Batman and like there's a lot of broad humor in it. Uh, but that said, there's still a lot of funny stuff in it too. And it really does feel like kind of a middle point between Clerks and Chasing Amy, I think. And I think it was the failure of Mallrats that sort of had Kevin Smith like fine tuning his stuff a little bit more to get something like Chasing Amy. Uh, and then, you know, now years later, we've had like so many uh, Jay and Silent Bob movies that it kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's not as unique as it sort of was when it first came out. But uh, overall, I liked it. And the, the, the Blu-ray itself uh, was a great addition. Uh, Arrow Films, they do great work. There was three cuts of the film on there. I'm like, who needs three cuts of Mallrats, right? But there's the theatrical cut, the extended cut, and then there's like a TV cut, which is really funny because they've dubbed in a lot of the voices over the swearing. And in some cases, like Jason Mewes, they didn't use him and he doesn't know why he doesn't know if it was because he was on drugs somewhere and not available or, uh, <laughs> or uh, you know, people thought of him as like, Oh, you're a Hollywood actor now. But he was like, yeah, I'm working in carpentry and, and disappearing sometimes to go on drug vendors and stuff. Uh, but so it's really funny when you see his parts like replaced and then lots of good special features on there too, which is little documentaries that give you a lot of context. The one thing that Sean threw for me was like, one of the reasons the movie spoke to me at the time was because it's, it's a movie for people who love, you know, movie references and comic books. And right now, comic books are like, you know, it's the zeitgeist of, the, of pop culture. But back then, in 95, it wasn't. And so I didn't even realize at the time how this movie wouldn't speak to everybody because most people didn't give a crap about comic books. But, uh, you know, being that I was, you know, I liked comic books, I was into comic books, that that movie spoke to me at the time. And it really does come through on the rewatch now, like, that the zeitgeist of our times have kind of caught up with the movie and made it more relevant in a weird way. So uh, anyway, if you haven't watched Mallrats in a while, it might be worth checking out. And if you are a Blu-ray collector, it's definitely a nice addition. But uh, let's pivot to video games, Hank, and you are going to tell us all about the Xbox versus the PS5. Oh, yes. The Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5, the PS5, both really original names, came out a couple weeks ago. I have them both. I have uh, played the same game on both to try to compare. The one thing is, if you are a fan of Xbox, you're going to buy the Xbox and you're going to say it's better. If you're a fan of PlayStation, you're going to buy that, you're going to say it's better. But overall, when it comes down to what's actually inside each of them, they're pretty close to being the same. They're pretty close. But right now, price-wise, the Xbox is, uh, I think, it's $30 cheaper. So the Xbox is 600 bucks. The PS5 is 630 for some weird reason. Inside, they're pretty much identical. Um, with both versions, they put a digital version out for both. So for people like me that I just download a game online and I don't need a disk drive, well, you're going to save a little bit of money. This is where Xbox went and created a completely different, cheaper version that is not the same inside as its full version for PlayStation. The digital version, which is, uh, I think, $200 cheaper, it's identical. Identical in everything that's inside. So if you're going digital only, you have to go with the PlayStation 5. But anywho, 
launch games, there's only a couple uh, for the PlayStation, uh, Spider-Man, uh, the Miles Morales that I know you want to play, Sackboy, uh, which is the new Little Big Planet game, uh, so I got that. It is beautiful. Xbox has no exclusive launch titles, but there's some coming out, but I'm playing Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed on it right now. The main thing why you want to upgrade to these systems is the in-game load time now is non-existent. Where before, you go to a cutscene and you got to wait and the whole thing's loading. Now it is instantaneous. So much, in fact, that in Assassin's Creed, there's some things that are in the cutscene that you would want to hear, but it cuts it off because it's just so fast. It is so fast, the in-game load time. Uh, so that's the real benefit. Um, now, for the actual design of the consoles, the Xbox is a box. It's a rectangular box. It's black, and it sits there. Now, the monstrosity of a beached whale that the PS5 is, that we are talking that they went and miniaturized the Starship Enterprise to try to fit it into your entertainment system at home. I honestly had to get a drill out. I had to get a saw. I had to do some things just in order to fit this thing in. It is huge, and I don't know why. It's also, they went for this cool looking design. Well, it needs to sit on a stand, whether it's horizontal or vertical. It's too much. It is too much. It weighs 5,000 pounds. And it, everybody, when the original Xbox came out where it weighed 100 pounds, and people made a, fun of it. They're laughing. No, no, this PS5 takes the cake. It is huge, huge. So if you have a small entertainment stand and know where to put a video game console, be careful because it will not fit. Uh, also, from the controller design, Xbox just kept their controller the same, and they went and added some uh, grips on the side, fixed the D-pad a little bit, but the PlayStation 5 reinvented their controller again, and honestly, for me, it takes me out of the game because of all, they've got a, a, like a speaker on there and a mic on there now, and the buttons are doing things, and it's like, we know we're playing a video game, we're not in VR, I know I'm holding a controller, I don't need it to do all this stuff. Anywho, I know we're running out of time, so overall, I am going to go Team Xbox on this one, just even for the visual weight of each of them and the controller. And uh, there is a couple things of the Xbox where the graphics, a tiny, tiny bit better in uh, a couple of the, uh, of the things. But I mean, I could talk for an hour about it. But overall, they're almost identical, except for the monstrosity of the size of the PS5. There you go. Fair enough. I think I'll probably end up going PS5, but uh, uh, you got a big house, so you're fine. Well, and more, I'm more of a PS guy than an Xbox guy, but uh, sounds like that is some good advice there. So we're gonna throw back to uh, Jody and everybody here. So have a good weekend, everyone. This is Craig and Hank saying, keep your dukes Bye. up. All right, thank you, Hank and Craig. Um, okay, so we are kind of fans of Iceberg Slim. He was like a pimp in the 70s, 60s, 70s. He, Maybe even In the 50s, yeah. possibly. Uh, he wrote an autobiography called Pimp. It's a fascinating look into that whole big world. And uh, he has a sequel to that book called Trick Baby, which we only just recently discovered is a movie that came out in 1972. So you can watch this on YouTube. It's kind of weird. There's one version of it where like the first 12 minutes is like all this other stuff. Uh, but if you just like fast forward 12 minutes in, you get the, the, the first bit of the movie. Basically, the premise of this is that Trick Baby is as a guy, he looks white. His uh, mother was black, his father was white. And so he looks white. 
and he has a con partner who is black. And the two of them together pull off these like sketchy but racial exploitation cons. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great con job story. Yeah. And so of course they pull a con and the guy that they swindle is connected to the mob and then the mob's all upset and they're trying to track him down. It's one of the better black exploitation movies. They're always fun to watch because of music is always good. The score is excellent. The cars, the clothes, uh, like the scenery. Uh, this one takes place in Philly. Philly. I think it takes place in oh, Philly. You're right. It is Philly. It's yeah. Philly. Yeah. And uh, and so you get to see like 1972 Philly, which is like as gritty and, and dull as you, you could possibly imagine. But the storyline is good. The plot is good. Certainly the first half of the movie is better than the second half of the movie, but it, it it's decent and it's better than most of those kinds of movies. Yeah, I, I like that we're recommending something that's obscure, but people don't have to dig super hard to actually be able to watch it. And I was actually really, I, I expected to see some sort of low budget, cheesy adaptation. And actually, like for 1972, the production values on this were pretty good. And one thing that it, it got right about Iceberg Slim that so many other people he's influenced have got wrong is, you know, people who've loved his stuff, like a lot of the, the gangster rappers, Ice-T named himself after Iceberg Slim, you know, they pick up on the glamorous side mm. of the books that he wrote, but they kind of ignore the downfall and the dirtiness and like the incredibly contemptible values of the people in these stories and just sort of glide over that and get to like the outfits and the glamour, which really kind of misrepresents his books. Because what I like about his books is that like, the glamour and the high life is part of it, but you can't ever, there's never a page of those books where you can escape the fact that these are desperate people. Yeah, they are. And they're, and they're living really, really horrible lives and that they're basically completely morally bankrupt. Iceberg Slim pops up in pop culture all over the place. Maybe most recently, he was in a like Dave Chappelle routine where Dave Chappelle actually took like 10 minutes out of his stand-up and retold this story from Iceberg's first book, Pimp, which he had been reading. And he didn't even really make any jokes about it. He just kind of retold this story and was like, that's cold. Well, the book is jam-packed with interesting anecdotes. So like, why not retell them? Like, they're interesting to hear. But what I liked about Trick Baby is that, like, there's a, there, the racial tension is there, and it's interesting, and it's compelling, and it's still timely, you know, almost 50 years later. It's, it's yeah. still, like, all those same issues are there. Um, the character, the main character, Trick Baby, he, uh, he straddles both worlds. He, he's kind of caught, he says at one point, well, black folks call me folks. For short for white folks because I'm like they, they treat him like a white boy and otherwise he gets called trick baby that's like another name that he gets yeah because his his mother was prostitute and his father was one of her customers so he's like he's a trick baby yeah. literally and yeah. so he gets no respect but at the same time he's able to enter these these elite white worlds and use their racism against them so you're kind of rooting for him but at the same time like he's not a good guy he's not but it's an amazing story an amazing 
perspective. And like, I didn't expect to get all philosophical watching this, watching this movie, but it's, it's yet like, it, it made me think if you are from one background, but everybody sees you as if you're from another, does it really matter? Yeah, it doesn't matter like you are, what you race are, you are. Yeah. It matters what race people think you are. Yeah, it, it made me think a lot about that, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's, and, oh, it's and, deep, man. And if anybody's interested, you can find, um, I haven't found like an online audio book of Trick Baby, but there is an online, several online audio books of his first book, Pimp. Okay, and that's the one that is great. I mean, it's just full of super, super stories. So check that out and that will wrap up our time today. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hunt Radio. And uh, in the meantime, keep your dukes up. Oh, 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 oh,